Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Day number eight of the 12 Days of Podcast, our third annual run through December, 12 episodes in 12 days, thus the name 12 Days of Podcasts. And Jeff, this is always the toughest part right here, remembering who we've had on this podcast already, but now... I'm going to try. It's your time to shine. Oof, that's a lot of pressure. Okay. Uh, we had Guaptat 4000, Kodak Black... Denzel Curry, Two Jews, Two Black Jews Review the Movies. That was Airplane. This is going very well. Then Aminatu. Mm-hmm. Then we had Kaz, our good friend that we've known for a decade. Yes. And then last night was The Dream. Yes, big episode. And today... Jeff, land this right now. Today, we've got the Backpack Kid. So now people might not know his whole story. You've obviously seen him do the, the flossing dance. Oh, yeah. He's just sued uh, Fortnite for stealing his moves. It's a very he's timely been, podcast. He's been on Ellen. You haven't heard his whole story, but he's here today. Jeff, we talk about what it's like to dance with the backpack on. Mm-hmm. And we get into life when he takes that backpack off. Woo. You know what, though? What's that? Backpack Kid's not on the podcast today. Oh, wow. I know. But then wait, what is he doing here? <laughs> why is why is backpack here? He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't talk. You know this. Why is that kid still? He's been here for six hours just sitting and staring. Today on the podcast, we actually have our great friend, Josh Dick, who is the manager for Flatbush Zombies, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, ASAP 12 and producer Hector Delgado, who produces for ASAP and a lot of other people. Jeff, this is a fantastic episode from behind the scenes. A lot of people are like, hey, we love those behind the scenes guests. Well, this episode is the one for you. Yes. And also... Just imagine Backpack Kid <laughs> doing the flossing dance right behind Josh. Right, this entire for the entire time. <laughs> it's a it's a Josh end <laughs> Backpack Kid episode. Shout out to our friend Josh Dick. It's a really fun episode for us because it's something that we've talked about for a long time. He's the Rich Kleiman to our Bill Simmons podcast. Josh has been here before. He's been in the background, mm-hmm. but we've never handed the microphone over to him for a full episode. This is it right now. Before we actually get into it, though. Yeah. Do you want to hear my backpack kid impression? Yes. <laughs> you sound like a rodent. <laughs> uh, Jeff, actually, uh, uh, did you know that kid actually has like a really bad speech impediment? I don't. <laughs> I don't want to talk anything more about backpack kid until we actually have him on the episode. <laughs> But I would like to say that the reason why we do these episodes here, the reason why every December we flood the market with just tons of great content is as a gift to you all out there. We know you're traveling. We know you're working. We know you're with family and friends. We know this is a time when a lot of other places aren't doing original content. This is our time to shine. And all we ask from you guys now during this season of giving is to tell someone about what we do on a weekly basis or... In December, pretty much on a daily basis. It's a lot of insight. It's a lot of laughs. It's a lot of heartfelt moments. But it's something you can't get anywhere else. A waste of time with It's The Real. And just wait until you see what we got going on for 2019. So tell a friend. Tell your family. And... (laughs) (laughs) Jeff, when when you want to get into this episode... Right now. Yo, what up? It's Eric, a.k.a. Alex Trebek, a.k.a. Nice for what? Yo, what up? It's Jeff, a.k.a. The Sun God, a.k.a. LeVar Ball. This is Josh Dick, <laughs> a.k.a. Josh No Last Name, <laughs> a.k.a. Josh Richards. <laughs> yeah, this is your third favorite podcast, The Waste of Time with It's The 
Luke, after all these years of, of pretending like this is going to happen, I'm very excited. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. You sound very excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sound like a golf commentator. I, I, exactly. I, this is my first podcast. I'm trying to make sure. Right, you can you either wanna... be too eager or too mellow. No, I, sure. I'm trying to just pretend like the mics aren't on. And this I'm just, is just glad that. this yeah. is not your last podcast. You got Rap Radar next. You're doing a whole like run. Yeah. <laughs> Marion is next week. Yeah. Yep. It's my holiday tour. Do a call in with Joe Budden. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it is the holiday season, and guess what? To our audience, we just found out that our good friend Josh is not Jewish. Well, half Jewish, <laughs> but like not Jewish in the traditional sense, which is like your mother is not Jewish. My mother is not. Wow. I've my big line in college uh, says a lot about me was <laughs> my mom's Italian, my dad's Jewish, so I called myself a pizza bagel. <laughs> By the way, Josh, is that happily what? married now? Happily married. No, so it didn't finish him in college. Yeah. Just, yeah. Was did, that a I, big hit? <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh, tell everybody about the pizza bagel thing again. It really went off at the Binghamton clubs. <laughs> the worst sort of like uh, party bit that we ever ran into was a kid who would do his Jay-Z impression Every time that he was in like our company, and it was like, don't don't do that. Yeah, don't. just don't do the laugh. Don't do the <laughs> voice. Like you're not Jay Farrow. You know, you're not, you're, it was like bad Jay Farrow too. You know, was it that kid? Do you remember the kid Angelus? It, okay, so Angelus was an actual rapper who just sounded like Jay Z. That wasn't like a thing. That wasn't. I don't, I don't think it was like a party trick. <laughs> and by the way, we were talking about that with the locks the other day, like just yeah. like off mic in the studio. Angelus, that, Gorilla Black. Yeah, totally. Gorilla Black like sounded a lot like like big. Yeah, you know, just like too much like him to be like all right. Angelus was the one because it's the same time. Do you remember the icy hot stunners? No. Google that. Okay. Icy Hot, like Shaquille O'Neal, like Icy Hot. I, Icy Hot. It was either Stunters or Stunners. <laughs> I think it was Stunners. It, there were a couple of these things. Remember, at 40, I'm there when the internet becomes a thing. Like when I started working, there were no Blackberries. There was no email when you went home. I was on Lotus Notes. Whoa. Like you left work, and if they didn't have your home number, <laughs> I know cells were a thing, but not with me. I thought I can definitely unplug, but. Not the email forwards, just the thing where somebody would hit you up and say, did you check this out? And it was three white kids who were trying to, again, I wasn't sure if they were, they were definitely mocking it, but was it real or not? Um, kind of, they were white cash money kids. Just, just oh, the, I remember them. They were big on MySpace. I don't, <laughs> what? I don't even remember that. It was just, it was an internet yeah. thing of like people sending around these pictures of them in front yep. of their cars mm -hmm. with no shirts on and... Yeah, had, and, I thought they had like extra tall tees. Yeah, it was like all white. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And wow. they did eventually have a couple of songs. Did you have uh, a conversation with them? Did you track them down? Uh, no, <laughs> but when I think of them, I think of Angelus and I think of early <laughs> early internet. Man, yeah, I definitely remember them. They were, um, I think they were from Massachusetts or Long Island. It was one of those. That's the thing. I never found out where they actually were from. Damn. Well, I didn't guess know. what? They're here. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them out. I know. So, Todd. I know, and yeah. they need representation. Yeah. Where are you originally from, Josh? Come on. No, I, no I'm, I know. I'm saying for the audience. No, I know. Yeah. But I'm saying you could tell just by my, my <laughs> vernacular. Mm -hmm. Queens. Okay. And what does Queens mean to you? Everything. 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 Even when you when you you lived in the Northwest for a little bit, you were still a Queens guy. Those were the dark years. You live in Long Island now. <laughs> you are still a Queens guy. Uh, the Long Island thing is something that I definitely. There's a delineation was, was between the island to keep off and, the radar. Yeah. <laughs> 
No, but Queens to you, I, like, like what, what Queens era are you? I mean, we're talking about, I, mean, I was born in 78, okay. lived in Queens, and, and moved out when I was 35. Yes, <laughs> Queens so that's a, a long That's time. a good chunk. I live in a part, I lived in a part of Queens that was tough to explain because technically it was Flushing. Okay. But when you say Flushing, people think Shea Stadium, yeah. Flushing Main Street. Yeah. The Flushing so, Meadows. Flushing Meadows, but it's actually a part, or, you know, you think of Mike Geronimo, yeah. Royal Flush. I, I'm I'm the part that is close to St. John's that's not exactly Fresh Meadows. You guys have no idea what Fresh Meadows no. is, but you can just keep nodding your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it was, I was right off of Union Turnpike. I lived there my whole life, went to school upstate. Uh, but yeah, Queens is. Well, where'd you go to high school? Francis Lewis. Okay, and that you know, I'll tell you, not a, funny, a Jewish school. <laughs> um, no, that is not a Jewish school. Most of the kids that I went to junior high school with went to Dozo or Bronx Science or Townsend Harris. I was not smart enough to do that, and so Francis Lewis is where mediocre kids went. Mediocre kids went exactly. <laughs> I was zoned for Jamaica actually, which no longer exists. What the Jamaica High School? Did you play ball in high school? You are a taller guy. I played JV basketball. Killed it. Killed it. <laughs> I was my sophomore year, which was you can only play two years, I was averaging, I want to say like two point three points per game, mm-hmm. two rebounds. Mm-hmm. How long was the game though? <laughs> <laughs> I, I had I had my five minutes of playing time. Ba- baseball was more my sport. I played varsity baseball. Were you a Mets fan? I, I am a Yankees fan. Well, how does that happen? Well, look, I get a lot of... I can curse, right? Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. a lot of shit You've for, been up here twice. I know, <laughs> but I'm just... You might tell me things. You got new mics. Things yeah, yeah, might yeah, have changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you sure you're not Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> you're growing up, and it's 1984. Mm-hmm. The Mets are about to become... World champions. World champs. You've got Doc and Daryl and... Keith El Hernandez, Sid, Keith yeah. Hernandez, Gary Wally Carter, Backman, Gary, like that Nails. was the team. Yeah, the Yankees were all. It was Don Mattingly, the end of the Ron Guidry era, <laughs> and you just had a lot of people that they Willie brought Randall. to come in, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Willie, Dave Winfield. Yeah, and they sucked. <laughs> Bad news bears. Correct. I mean, the late '80s were far worse, but they were not a good team at that point. The Mets were the thing. So, this is a a harbinger of things to come. Mm. I you fuck with the underdogs. I fuck with the underdogs, the underground. Mm. I went with the Yankees. Wow. And now So the 90s like... must have sucked for you. <laughs> <laughs> when they were winning and you're just like, oh. But that's... I like them. I'm just not proud of it. <laughs> you could still be proud of it, though, because at that point it was Jeter and Bernie and Paul O'Neill and Posada and Pettit. It was all homegrown. Mm-hmm. Then once they got A-Rod and Giambi, it starts to turn into... How are you from Queens and you root for the Yankees? Yeah. Like, what's up with that? I'm going to tell you. I don't know if we can get to all of these. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of get to the Easter eggs with Josh Dick. Yeah. Mm. If you, on the 1996 World Series, the Game 6, I'm there. I had a sign up that said Glory Days that made the Fox telecast. It not only made the telecast, it made the Yankees, uh, like the MLB Yankees recap video. And it also made the, um, it was in like the Hall of Fame. They were playing it uh, on repeat. People would go to Cooperstown. So if you find well, that. Wait, you're that Josh Dick? I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> who, 
Who hips you to that? Who's the one who like saw it and is like, Josh, you're it, on TV. It was, first of all, it's 96. So again, I'm not getting texts at that point. Yeah, right. My dad is watching the game at, no, my mother is watching the game. No, my dad was with me. And they're taping it just to watch the game. I'm as clear as day. Like, I'm holding this sign up. I had a Yankees helmet on. Helmet. A regrettable goatee. <laughs> and uh, It was 96. It yeah. was 96. Wait, yeah. was it the yeah. helmet that you get the ice cream in? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's like my yarmulke helmet. Yeah. It could it barely fit. Now, it was a real... A real helmet I think I got for giving, uh, getting a credit card that day. Wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but but I, I am, and my dad's got it on DVD. At one point, I'm just going to start to post all the random shit you that should. I was on television for. But that, that was probably one of the first. What are the other random ones on television? Or do we, we have to guess them? <laughs> I mean, we'll definitely be jumping around. Um, I was on the first... Puffy episode of making the band. What? Doing what? Rapping. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. I, Whoa. It. it uh, not. Full disclosure. Yeah. I wasn't like in the house with Ness and Chopper and everybody. Right. right. Uh, I auditioned. It was the audition was at Webster Hall. I was. I don't even remember. Twenty three. Um. The long ass line. I get on stage and you only get 30 seconds, but they're only giving you like two or three seconds. Like people would sing, they'd hear that first note, next. People would kick a bar, next. Um, I am walking on stage, and first of all, Flex is my judge. I forgot to, I, I've met Flex a couple of times now, completely forgot to tell him the story. Flex is the judge. And again, like, 17, 18 years ago, your head is exploding. Now, the other thing, though, is I've always been this underground indie hip-hop fan, and and I came thinking that I can play one of these beats that I brought with me, like a a tried-by-12 type of beat. And the rumor starts to spread online. You cannot rap over your own stuff. You have to rap over a bad boy beat. And so I'm immediately like, that's going to be tough because I had a prepared verse. And I'm like, there's no way. No matter, name a bad boy beat. I guarantee you this verse is not going to fit on that. <laughs> and so I get on and the beat that they dropped was I Need a Girl Part 2. Oh, smooth. <laughs> the <Yeah>. most. <laughs> I'm, I'm like not, the, the complete opposite of whatever you were looking yeah. for. Like there's no way. No, so I just decided to freestyle. And, and I'll never forget the four bars, especially because like when I when you talk about the pizza bagel line. Yeah. If you went on a date with me from age 23 <laughs> till I met my now wife when I was 25, there was a come back to my parents house. Let's get some pasta and I will play you my old DVDs. Oh my <laughs> and that, that would be one of them. And, and I freestyled. I said, call Puff. Tell him to get down here. What you have is Roger Clemens on the mound here. Wow. That's right. A bona fide cash cow. Fuck making the band. Sign my ass now. Wow. So they put me like when they do the audition thing. And I don't care what anybody says. They made every audition. It was the let's play the medley of everybody we're making fun of audition. Yeah. I set it off. There's no fucking way they were making fun of me. Yeah. Like it was... It was it was a dope uh, quartet and flex. I kept going, and then finally I, I got to eight bars, and then flex was like, "All right, thanks, man," and that was it. And that, I never thought of it again until 
I'm at a place. Now I have a cell phone by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm at a PlayStation party <laughs> for uh, Dela was playing it and Drez was there as well. And I'm just there hanging out and my phone starts to blow up. They ran the first episode and there I was. And so. Oh, my God. Wow. Wait. Wait yeah. But, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're an underground guy. Yeah. What made you want to try out? For making, making the band. band. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I think about that all the time when I'm going over the Josh Dick origin stories. Um, when I graduated college, I had a feeling there's no way this is going to happen for me. But at the same time, I had my pseudo manager who is just a Queens dude who really fucking pushed me and hustled like I'm going to find you and there are a million stories I can go with that route but uh, he's like I heard they're doing a making the band tryouts and so I'm like Danny come on man I'm not I'm not trying out for that listen man you got to get your break wherever it comes you're perfect for something like this and you get into this whole fight and I'm like you know what alright I will line up at 2 in the morning at Webster Hall and sit outside and do this because you don't think you're going to make the show and then if you do you think you're going to be the guy that people will see through like oh that's so cool he's wearing a company flow t-shirt right like, that's that's the guy that's the underground guy right. he's got a goatee <laughs> let's get him on tv <laughs> right the goatee ended sophomore year when i realized no woman in their right mind wanted me with a goatee like the best case scenario would be that like dave Chappelle found like a white guy to play you on his like remake of making the if, band. if i was <laughs> if i was his dylon yeah i know like that that would have made incredible. it all worth it but uh, yeah did you have a catchphrase ready <laughs> no. TV show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> None of this I the thought pizza that thing wouldn't be the thing. <laughs> it wouldn't be like it's dick time. <laughs> <laughs> it's dick in your ear. Right. <laughs> Yo. That was gonna be the name of my album. Dick in your ear? Dick in your ear. <laughs> Do you know where the idea came from the beginning of the Helter Skelter nocturnal album. There's a line, what the hell was your dick doing in the milk, man? <laughs> and so loving like the humor with it, I, I had to embrace. I mean, you want to go back to Queens. Yeah. One, of, one of the harder things of growing up in Queens, really any of the five boroughs, but particularly Queens, is growing up with the last name Dick. Sure. Um, I would use difficult. Harder just seems like. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> really hard. But that you don't think like uh, look. It's now twenty six years since my freshman year, so I, I can feel comfortable telling some of these stories. Elementary school, it really wasn't bad, nor was junior high, because you've known these kids since the first grade, kindergarten. So. When all of a sudden it's fifth or sixth grade, it might come out in the heat of a fight, but it wasn't something where I walked around like thinking about it. Junior high is where you start to pay attention to it. High school, going to Francis Lewis in the ninth grade, I knew two people from my junior high. Like everybody went to Dozo. So I'm now introduced. I don't know if this is just a, 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 a New York thing or if it's my era. Do you guys know what Delaney cards are? Mm-mm, no. 
So Delaney cards were these little cards. I'm sure everybody has their own name for them, but the teacher would have these books that you take attendance in. And so they'd go through the, each of you had a card for either late and absence or demerit or whatever it is. So all of a sudden I'm realizing I'm now going to have to, for eight different periods, whether it's gym, biology, me- like Josh Dick, is Josh Dick here? And all these kids from all over Queens who have no idea who I am are going to hear it. So my freshman year, I, I want to say this poor kid, but it's it's me. Yeah. This poor kid is <laughs> yeah. me. I went up to the teachers before the bell rang just to be like, listen, listen, my last name is Dick. Can you do me a favor when you get to my name? Can oh. you just say Josh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you just say Josh? Josh the mystery boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did they, did any, did they abide? They abided. They, and they were actually, for the most part, very smooth. It was like, Josh, and they'd be like, yep. And the kids wouldn't think of it because it wasn't like, yeah, Andrew Brown. Uh, I, that's the only person I'm remembering from my sure. school right yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like the full name, and then it's like Josh, right? Josh, right? And then event. I mean, I feel like eventually the name started to to circulate, but it was after high school. Once I got to college, that I just started realizing, like, fuck you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you start to embrace it, and you have that swagger with it, totally. And I'll tell you what, in this industry, it's absolutely been a godsend, like. People remember me because how could you fucking forget the kid with the last name Dick? Mm-hmm. Um, can you imagine what it's like going to a guest list and you're like, <laughs> "I'm on the list." What's your name, Josh Dick? Oh yeah, no, I, re- yeah. I remember. We put you on. We were all, we were all laughing at it. Yeah, you yeah. can you can come in. Um, but yeah, I forget. Uh, was it Dick in your ear? Yeah. That, yeah. Embracing it then at that point, I decided Dick in Your Ear would make an incredible album title. Double down on Dick in Your Ear. Yeah. Yeah. Double down on Dick in Your Ear. So when did did hip-hop really come into your life? I mean, it... I know this sounds like such a generic answer, but it's been there since elementary school. Like, starts as... You start off as a fan, right? Like, I, I still remember being in the, in the fifth and sixth grade and, and you, first of all, like, I, Terrell Stevens is, is, I haven't spoken to him since junior high, but I think he started bringing in a Bismarck key cassette and that you're starting to listen to that. Um, and then I started to get into just what was normally accepted then like Kane, Rakim, EPMD, uh, gangs, like a- anything that was the late eighties, early nineties, that there was no underground or commercial like that. That was that. Then it was first of all after school you had so many different things for there was something called the jukebox channel it eventually became the box mm-hmm. where you'd sit around all day hoping someone would call in and spend like 2.99 for pete rocks uh, and cl's they reminisce <laughs> over you like you would wait for those videos all day there was also video music box yeah. which yep. ran and then there was rap city yeah and then at night was yo mtv raps and so the thing that took me out of this New York bubble and comfort zone was when I saw the video for uh, Dell, the funky homo sapiens, Mr. Dabalina. Bob Dabalina. Yeah. <laughs> this was like 91. And then then I went down that rabbit hole of, of Hiro and, and Freestyle Fellowship. And the thing that really just put this all on steroids was uh, there were these at the camp I was telling you guys about before my sleepaway camp there were older kids who were 
circulating, and I had never heard of it at this point, um, Stretch Armstrong and Bobbito tapes. And so this is when, I mean, I want to say this was like 92, 93. This is when I started to realize that there was even yet another dimension of hip hop. And when I found out what off the head freestyling was and, and this whole new world, like they're single handedly responsible for me going from I am a fan to I am a nerd. Like this is, I could even tell you guys the record that, that to me, and if you've never heard this to me, forget best, one of the best rap records of all time. I think this is one of the best songs of all time. There was a group called the Juggernauts. There was a song called Clear Blue Skies that just completely blew me away and uh, really just set me on this course. And so uh, I would go, Bobito would have these events at the New Eurekan Poets Cafe that I would, at this point now, I'm, I'm also thinking I can rap, but it's all really on some bedroom stuff like it's not i'm not publicly going out there and doing anything but bobito would have these events called words and all that at the new york and and there was either open mics or showcases and i would start to go to that uh just in the audience just uh, yeah just watching the, the train audience yeah. take the train there like i've saw a Lower lot side, of yeah. Lower side so a lot of legends have their first like Most i was deaf. there I, I was there when most deaf was pushing universal i'll tell you wow. a funny most deaf story after so universal magnetic was his big record then this was after he was on the cosby mysteries and medina green and uh all that uh urban thermal dynamics oh there's another funny oh man I have so many good stories you're um, losing me right now oh yeah no but most deaf me and my friends were standing outside in a circle that you might confuse as a cipher but it was really us just talking and uh, most came and asked if he could stand between us to quickly smoke his cigarette because his parents were at the show and he didn't want them to see that. Wow. And now I feel like I've just ruined that for him all these years <laughs> later. But it was just like, it was that type of community environment. Like there were these punchline MCs, uh, punchline and Wordsworth that were gods. Like it was, it was just a real special place to be around and so this this is and and then you're just starting to go like the greatest show of all time that like to me and remember i've now been to more shows than any human being can ever want to go to yes uh 1994 january the limelight limelight was a big club back then yeah now it's like a um, yeah. like a bunch of shops, right? I thought it was. I, I, kept, I think it's just one shop or one shop or yeah. a gym. Like, uh, it's maybe, it's still actually, like a, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still like a half church, half something. Right, right. Yeah. But the limelight. First of all, I had to lie to my parents to go. I was fifteen, and it was an eighteen over show. I don't even remember. They didn't even check ID to get in. Um, goatee. <laughs> yeah, there, definitely no goatee at that time. But it was it was called the Best of the Underground Tour. It was. Common when he was called Common Sense, the Beat Nuts, Artifacts, and Organized Confusion. The ticket was $12. I still have the ticket stub. Like, it, it, New York was such a special place then. And so, I mean, at this point now, like, I, I'm, I'm a massive fan. And at the same time, I'm a fledgling high school MC. And then when I went to college, uh, I, I met what would become my future rap partner and, and it became more of a thing. And we, um, we, my big claim to fame was we opened for LL Cool J my junior year of college, which wow. at the time was like the biggest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, but years later I realized that, um, 
and very little, like Ella Cool J had no idea. Like he was <laughs> oh, yeah, not involved right. in the process. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. it meant nothing other than like the school wanted us to help make sure more tickets were sold. But, but that's right. still a big deal, though. Yeah. No, I mean, it like, was for us, well, yeah, exactly. Well, in that, like, you're in front of a lot of people who were there to see LL Cool J, obviously. But like, this is peak LL. It's not just like. Well, this was the week that LL did his response record to Cannabis's second round knockout. Wow! And he performed it that day. I forget wow. what it was called. Um, but yeah, that that was. That was my my big claim to fame, and then the the. My, I mean, l- listen, like a lot of Queens legends on that stage that night, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, who else other than LL? Oh, he means me. Um, then the pinnacle. I can make this. I feel like anybody who's at home right now going, "Who the fuck is this guy, and why?" <laughs> We've listened to twenty minutes. I still don't know what he does. <laughs> That's right. We describe it in the intro that people skipped. You know, (laughs) I about a half a mile from my house growing up, Big Daddy Kane moved in uh, to the neighborhood. Uh, This was when I was much younger. There was always an urban legend that Kane was playing basketball at Jewel Park and uh, I'd never seen it. Danny, the same manager I was talking about who made me go online for the making the band, um, I'm junior in college and we're going to Kane's house. We're going to ring his doorbell. And I'm like, no, we're not. And <laughs> Wait, to, to do what? To rap for him. Oh, just what he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, you are, you're thinking like me. And he's like, Dan, Danny's like, you, you got to do this, man. You got to take chances. Like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, I can think, think of a number so of things. <laughs> but we're, we're not, we're not doing this. Shows up with a shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just... Somehow, in between that no, Danny went by himself. And got signed. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> he arranged it. So next thing I know, I'm going to Kane's house to rap him. It's a summer day. I think we had come now from... Now he's expecting you? Wait, Danny is really good at his job. I know. He's, he's, he's very... What uh, did Danny say to Big Daddy Kane? I, I, I think that Kane probably said, bring him to just get Danny off the porch. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was just one of those. Kane is... Kane is one of the greatest human beings I've I've ever met, um, and so I think that that's just part of part of his personality. So I I came back and eventually we're, we're on his porch. Did you open up with the pizza bagel thing? <laughs> no, I did. That, I I still I kicked him a, a written verse, and I think the line was and again. This was 1998 or nine. So mm-hmm. if it's been used a million times since then. Um, it's not about who had the bar first. Right. But I said something about when I watch TV, I use the closed captions. And I paused because I'm deaf. And <laughs> it was one of those, like, I finished the verse and he's like, yeah, I, li- I like that closed caption line. And we just started talking and kicking it. And then the night took a turn for for the friendship when... There were a lot of mosquitoes out. It's like a summer night in Queens, and I hate bugs. Mm-hmm. And he just sees me. I'm like trying so hard to not let everything get to me. And he's like, "Yo, come on, let's just go inside." <laughs> like, like, and we hung out. Like, we're, we're we had some drinks. Kane's Kane's a huge fan of um, westerns, and so I think we played Tombstone, and we're just hanging out. And 
long story short with my my cane uh, I'm like Forrest Gump like yeah. if you really pull the layers back I have so many of these random stories Josh this is why you're here <laughs> <laughs> I, I did um, I, I at my house right now not online anywhere in a shoebox is a cassette tape and it is a record that Kane produced and did the hook on that I, I rapped on but this was this was the moment though this is where this transitions when you're like how did you get into music and like essentially what do I do now um, Kane sat with me and was like listen you're a, you're a funny motherfucker like you're one of the funniest dudes I know I'm not hearing this in, in these verses on the demo like I, I was trying so hard to to write like Kane would want me to like, right like bars just this is this is what i envision warm it up cane being now like how do i how do i make that and i i really sat with it that wasn't like the end of my career was hearing that but it was me slowly realizing and transitioning into this world where i'm like i'm really not good enough there's there's a there's a line um MCs without a voice should write a book. Uh, evidence from dilated people said that. And it was something that always registered to me. Like, I'm not, you have to be special to be a MC, to be an artist. And I don't have all those tangible qualities. I was somebody who tried very hard to be serviceable. And so that's when I realized, okay, this, I'm going to transition out of this. Maybe I'll do a Making the Band tryout if that show exists in four years. Um that that was a joke. No, yeah. it went over everybody's head. No, I got it. <laughs> I was. I was oh, no, just you did it, get it. I, I was giving it the proper reverence. I just. It was like because I know you'd probably be listening. Like, all right, so that's the moment that he was leaving the biz. But at the same time, he did try out for the fucking making the band show later. But I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be successful as a, as an artist. And so at the same time, I did not. A lot of people went to, especially in 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 music business. A lot of people went to Syracuse and program. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I did. All right, so yeah. go to programs because it's designed for the music industry. Like, oh, I didn't go whole... for music. I okay. thought I was going to be a feature film writer and director. So, but you know, they have that whole division now, department. Oh, yeah, that every yeah. intern that was at at my old company, like, oh, it's a big media thing. And that now there's the Bandier <laughs> School, and that's a that's a big thing too. So yeah, I didn't. Not only did I not know about any of this stuff, I never thought about it. I didn't intern anywhere when I was in college. When I graduated and I'm 22. And you went to? Binghamton. I right, went to yeah, SUNY yeah. Binghamton. Mm-hmm. And most of my friends were in the uh, business school. And so they all went off to their jobs in business. And I was an English major and sitting there going, what, what do I do? I wanted to be a elementary school teacher. Hmm. And my parents were, by the way, 30 years teaching in the Board of Ed when you're Mr. and Mrs. Dick. Like, <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't have been great. Yeah. Uh, but they, like, like champs. Oh, they, your, your yeah. parents did do that. Yeah. They, they See, that went over Joe's head, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were school teachers for 30 years wow. with, with, with those names. Um, but I, they begged me, when you've taught for the Board of Ed for that long, please do something you love before you just decide you want to be a teacher that's interesting that's that's so so the idea that you had this just unmistakable love for for this culture and Mm -hmm. the words and the 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 circles outside of the actual event and and everything that went along with it 
your parents weren't like, what are you doing? They were more supportive. They were supportive. And I regret I wasn't smart. I mean, I was, I was. Well, that's why you went to the high school you went to and not Bronx Science. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to draw the line. Francis Francis Lewis had some smart kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was not smart as far as this is how you get a job at a label. This is how you get in on the ground floor at this, this company. Uh, to to follow my dreams when I'm 18, 19. Like I, I hear all these stories of of my peers in this industry, and I read on the back of vinyl where it was, and I was that knocking on their door every day, or I interned for free for a year. Like I wasn't I wasn't programmed to think like that, and so I didn't. And so I I was 22 with literally Kane being my only relationship, and uh, wanted to be a teacher. And so it's funny this. I, again, I go back to I, everybody's origin story is always super important, especially to anybody who's young, who's listening to these types of things and wanting to know how do I, how do I make it? Like, mm-hmm. how do I do it? Because I'm sure there are some people who are just great and have a vision from, from their teen years on. But um, a lot of this is chance. Uh, and so... I'll still point, and it's funny how it goes back to being a fan and even Dell to that to that effect. I'm 22 and I'm subbing. Right, I was a substitute teacher at my old junior high school just to to make some cash while mm-hmm. I figured things out. So you were still Mr. Dick. Well, that's another. <laughs> this the school recommended this. Let's call you Mr. D with these kids. Wow. You're not. You're not going to be Mr. Dick. And yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm all right with that. Let's <laughs> let's ride with that. So I go into the city, and this is when the Virgin Megastore is still a thing, and CDs are still very much a thing. And Virgin had those stations where you can listen to to On an album. Yeah, yeah. And for whatever reason, at this point, Adele's put out three albums. I had not heard yet the Deltron 3030 record. And I don't know if I just, I I don't remember the reasoning, but I just hadn't gotten around to it. I don't know what I was expecting. But I played it in the station, and I'm like, this is dope. I then see that they had some form of a flyer. That night, Deltron 3030 was playing at Irving Plaza. Wasn't sold out. I have never been to a show by myself, ever. I decided this night I'm going to go to a show by myself. I go, I run into the girl, the woman who booked my band in college, the school concert director. Hmm. What are you doing with yourself? Trying to find a job. She goes, why don't you come in? We're looking for an intern at the agency group. I didn't know what the agency group was. I didn't really know what an agent did, but I went in the next day and met with them and that's, that so begins me in the music industry. I was an intern at 22 for nine months. Did you go in there with like a, a shirt and tie? I dressed up, but not suit. I knew it wasn't something that that was that level. I was super excited because Peter Schwartz was um, P- Peter Schwartz ran the the hip hop division, and so the roster was was my dream he he repped Tyro, he repped the far side he repped ugly duckling um it, it was it was that type of like oh my god um but it's crazy because 
that um, this is 2000. I'm 22. I did not really get my break. I did not really start working with hip hop until eight years ago. So when did you allow commercial rap into your life? Like, did you still have this stance of just like, nah, fuck that? Well, eventually you had no choice but to transition. And I think that there were the, there were some lean years for me. Um, I mean, we're talking about as a fan at this point, but there were there were still a number of artists that were carrying the torch. And, and it wasn't, I did, I don't remember what year this happened, but you know what it probably was? It, you get to that point where, Annie Up was accepted by all. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a number of, of records of that ilk that started to blur the lines a little bit. I also became a little bit less um, standoffish when it comes to that. Uh, you also, you, you had to do some digging to find things that you, you truly loved. And like I said, there were groups that were still putting out uh, those underground records that I wanted to hear. Like I'll tell you, um, I forget what year this was, but the the... Did you know that Danger Mouse had an album with an artist named Gemini, the gifted one, uh, called no. Ghetto Pop Life? No. One of the most slept on, incredible albums that you will ever hear. And when that dropped, because right, Gemini was a Gemini was an underground New York rapper. By the way, <laughs> you don't have to say that part. <laughs> Gemini, the what was it? Gemini, Gemini the, the gifted, gifted one. Yeah, that is. That is so the most underground name. I thought you were about to tell me a Gemini story. You were like lighting up. You don't have to tell me that because 50 50 MCs in a cipher was. But yeah. Jeff was like, Sage the Gemini. (laughs) Yes. It it was something that I and 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 this was this is probably a good segue into kind of what I what I did for many years. Like I was an assistant that became a junior agent. The stuff that I was working on there, there there were no openings in the hip hop department. So I was working with bands that you may or may not remember, but like 80s bands, Winger, Scorpions. I I even worked with Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Like I was, I I was an assistant. But they kill it. They, yo, booking them? But I wasn't booking them. I was the assistant. right? Right. But so when you're, when that's where you come up, you're kind of now under that umbrella. And I, I, that, my first boss retired after a few years, and then I moved to another guy. By the way, again, there's no such thing as, um, I mean, the, somebody will probably be like, oh, yes, there is. But <laughs> I think things happen for a reason. There, there are no wrong turns if you know how to make the most out of an opportunity. So I met my wife through my first boss. Wow. Uh, she, was, she also was an assistant. We, at work? Uh, at a different job, okay. but we had to work to. We were booking. I was booking the band War, and her yeah. boss booked a show, and we met. And did you play like uh, Why Can't We Be Friends at your wedding? At your wedding? No. <laughs> Is that what you walked down the aisle to? First dance. <laughs> Very actually um, topical is I walked down to Sting's shape of my heart wow because i wanted to walk down the aisle to Nas's the message yeah and that's the, well the, now people know it for for, for juice, juice world, world. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but they didn't or they don't know it whatever <laughs> i but i couldn't give this we, we had a, a string section like a small string section play at the wedding we stole it from wedding Tra- singer trans yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah trans- <whatever>. orchestra. <laughs> but when i'm like can you play this and i play them the message they're like Huh? And I was like, you know what? I have a better idea. Here's here's the Sting version. Hey guys, it's the Backpack Kid. 
And I'm here to tell you that you can always go to itstherealcom slash shop to get your Christmas presents. People have never heard him speak, so you really could be the backpack kid. I, hey guys, it's <laughs> me, the backpack kid, like I just said. But Jeff, this just, er, backpack kid, Eric. sorry. <laughs> this just in, we've sold two of the three signed rhyme books signed by us and all three members of the locks. We have one more left at itstherealcom slash shop. So get that one last signed rhyme book right now or get some t-shirts, get some sweatshirts, get all of your Christmas presents. It's not too late, by the way, for us to send these packages to you and have them arrive by Christmas. Just know that Santa never rests. <laughs> and now back to Josh Dick. So I meet my wife there. My second boss, so that was that was Nick. Steve, Steve, I learned so much from him as my second boss. Like Steve is the president of our company, really taught me that you can be a good human being in this business mm. and not have to like, because there are people who will berate you and like, you better fucking make sure this happens. Steve was the the schmooze guy. And that's when I started to come into my own as a personality. I booked a lot of his acts, which it was like Billy Bragg and Bruce Coburn and stuff my mom really loved, a lot of like folkies. Um, and But I knew at this point, I'm now in my early 30s and I'm, there's no way I'm going to have a successful career because I don't, I can book but I don't, sp like, it's a booking agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, but there's also nothing of your own. Yes, nothing of my own, and I don't speak this language well enough. Like, whether it was heritage music, pop music, uh, singer-songwriters, like, this is, I'm out of my comfort zone. With all due respect, you didn't care I cared, about the music. Yeah, I mean, look, I, as much as I'm a rap nerd and fan, there is that side of me that... Uh, I, I've probably been to more Tom Petty shows, R.I.P., than than any other artist in the world. Like my mom is such a folky that I, I have a I have another side to me that is would would fit that okay. But it's still you're trying to to reach that next level, and it's it's either going to be working with with um, music and artists that I I feel like are I can relate to or not. Right. And I'll tell you. This is the problem with the industry, no matter what line of work, whether it's you guys trying to get your come up in media, whether it's a manager, a label, an agent, uh, until somebody gives you that first chance, it's always going to be a chicken and the egg. Like, how do I, how do I become successful if, if, if it's always that there's not, you don't have enough experience? <laughs> well, I'm not going to get the experience unless you give me the job. And so, I mean, somewhere there are some really awful emails, uh, that I was, I was pretty early trying to find Drake, but not good enough that I knew who's managing Drake. Like, how am I going to get in there? Like, so I think I sent stupid emails to. He originally had a booking form where if you wanted to book Drake, you had to fill out this thing. So there were a couple of those where I'm like, this is this is the wrong way to. I'm not going to be successful like this. So my first break and the first person I got lucky with and it's funny I, I owe it to uh, Raekwon of all people accidentally indirectly I loved Cuban Links 2 and I went I started to go back down my my Raekwon rabbit hole that, that Cuban Links 1 had been such a, an important part of my life and 
there was a Rap Radar posted a remix to a song that Raekwon was featured on, and it was Yellow Wolf featuring Sci High, uh, Pill, and Raekwon. The, the OG, that was the remix, I'm sorry. The original was with Raekwon, it was called I Wish. And I'm like, this is, this is dope. Who's Yellow Wolf? I didn't know about the whole Columbia mixtapes, and I start to go down the rabbit hole, and I'm like, this is really, really good. Like he's there's something unique about this. So I made a savvy decision as well, which was Zach, who I don't think you guys have met him, but Zach was an agent at the agency group too. Mm-hmm. He was the he was he worked with Peter, and I'm like, I can go into this meeting with Wolf's managers and take the chance that they just love me and are willing to go with somebody who has no other roster or I can bring in Zach who at that point Peter had just started a book Wiz and they they Wiz was about to blow up they had a few other things so it was like let's let me see if Zach wants to do this with me and Zach heard it and was saying the same thing I, I hear what you hear let's set up a meeting Dot Bear KP the whole wolf That's team KP, yeah. they believed in us we were there early enough that Carolus, I have, I don't know, I'm sure that's a name you guys have heard. Legendary. Yeah. Uh, definitely a very competitive field. Kara, mm-hmm. since I heard her on her sh- shouted out on Paid in Full when mm-hmm. I was 10, I have the utmost respect for her. So it's never brought up in, in an angry way. It's just you have to, you're in early on Wolf, but now Trunk Music drops and all these other agencies, including Kara, are trying to, okay, well, yeah. who, who are they with? And, and, the, the triumvirate that I just described to you was very loyal to me. And we we booked, and this is a very grateful to Wiz and Benji for this, they put they put um, Wolf on, on Wiz's first big tour, so we looked good finding him a big tour at that point. And so we, uh, Wolf was off and running. So now that's my first. And, and if you're, again, lucky, but you work hard, you can have that snowball. So my second big thing was, and it's funny how this shit happens. Do you know who Blockhead is? Mm-mm. Block- oh, Blockhead Entertainment? No, Block- oh. Blockhead is a dope producer. His, he's put out a number of, of um, solo production projects, but he also has done a lot of production for, uh, in the at least in the uh, early days with Aesop Rock. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ended up randomly in a basketball run with him, a weekly run. And so when he eventually met me and found out I'm a nerd, he goes, you should listen to Danny Brown. And at that point, I'd not ever heard of Danny. And he hadn't put out anything since the hybrid was the last project. The hybrid was something that as a rap, it just, again, if you have not heard the hybrid, go back and listen to it. Danny, it it spoke to me. My wife's from Detroit. I went, Danny had a show at the Magic Stick that I flew to to see him. I met his manager. His manager at the time was uh, Ameka. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Ameka. Yeah. Again, like, it's luck because it's not just finding the act, then the act has to not have a representation. Then you have to find a manager who is loyal and that you don't have to, because I always treat any any relationship with an artist, like I don't ever do contracts. Um, you're either happy with the service I'm providing or 
you're not, and I don't want you to feel like you're obligated, obligated. because of yeah, exactly. Like it, sh- it should. Either fuck with the dick, or you don't. You know? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Never word it like that, uh, but but it's true. And so, um, it it with my managers. I never was like, oh, I got to worry about this agent going around and talking to them. I, I, I always just felt they're they're going to do what they're going to do. And, and if they're ever unhappy enough or they're going to leave, like, I, then I guess I was wrong about their character or I'm wrong about my, me. And I did something that wasn't servicing the client well. So Mecca, great guy. Um, at that time, I was worried that Danny wasn't going to... There are a lot of incredible artists that as an agent, there's nothing you can do because we, we're only, we can only book. We, we're selling something that needs a story. And at that point, I, I couldn't tell if Danny was going to have that story. But Emeka and I were friends and we kept talking over the next year. And then right before Triple X dropped, where I'm like, you know what? Let's just do this. I'll never forget. We made this decision on the corner. Danny was sitting on a hydrant. We were on the corner by Union Square, and we're just outdoors. And Triple X dropped, and Danny then all of a sudden becomes this this critic's darling, as rightfully so. And Danny really embraced um, this avant-garde hip-hop that that he's. I mean, Danny will outwrap anybody, but Danny embraced the the side of him that allowed for Danny to become somebody who's always on festivals. Everybody wanted him as a support act. Like I was, he supported Das Racist, then he supported Gambino, then he was on the Mob Tour. Like, and then Danny became a headliner in his own right. Anyway, yeah. By the way, you can always tell me if I'm talking too much. No, no, give no, me, no you, you, you yeah. give me the. They're bored. No, 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 it's great. Um, <laughs> after that, now you've got Wolf and Danny. Now I can take a meeting with a little bit more pride of. This is I have a roster that's starting to to develop. And then I found um, and this was the one that I felt was very. I prided myself on not being there for the quote unquote cattle call. And the cattle call is people wait for something to be big and then everybody goes in and does. I'll make you a star speech and tries to win them over. Like I always wanted to be there from first mixtape on. Um, well, what was how did you pitch yourself on all these people? Because now you're starting to you can say you know I have Wolf and look what I've done with Wolf, and I have um, Danny and look what I'm done with Danny. But like, does that matter to everybody, or is it a lot of just like this is what I can like what I'll answer the phone at any hour. I'll get you in whatever venue you want to be. What is it? I'll put a vending machine in the cafeteria. Yeah. You know that sort of thing. <laughs> no homework on Fridays. First of all. <laughs> Um, it's that's a great question because my personal approach was always uh, I'm here to have this conversation uh, not to pitch but to talk like this is a dialogue this isn't a monologue what this is my vision what do you you have in mind for what you want to do and I also was the type of person that I encouraged artists to meet with other agencies before making a decision because I wanted them to get a vibe and a feel like I don't have to tell you I'm going to be around all hours. I don't have to. I don't have to tell you I'm going to promise you you're on Coachella or anything like that. I I tell it like it is, and I think that. I think that my fandom, just sort of, 
it it seeps through like you can tell this kid actually cares he's not putting on a show i'm not i'm not taking a meeting in a suit and tie and making you feel like uh this is business it's it's designed and again it's the same thing like if you feel like you made the right decision and then in three months this isn't working for you there's the door it's fine so but you still each meeting is a new meeting right danny and wolf being the first two artists on the roster aren't necessarily going to have you going, all right, but have you done an arena tour? Have you done, how, how are you going to get me supporting this type of tour, or shed tour, or anything like that? So the one that was definitely, this this is where I'm off and running. Um, and that's what I was going to say is like, it was a cattle call, the video for, for Purple Swag Drops. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And I fall in love. I'm just like transfixed. And then the thing that sealed it for me was the white girl. <laughs> uh, well, I thought the the visual was so I was transfixed. What is the the vocals are chopped and screwed, but he's from Harlem, but he's riding on a bike in Harlem with no shirt on. Like this is I've never seen anything like this. Yeah, it who's made the me, kid with the birthmark? Yeah. It, yeah. Exactly. Like it reminded me of when I first saw the video for Juveniles Ha. Like Mm. it took me to a world where I'm just engrossed. Uh, But again, with me, I'm not purple swag. I have to rep you because if this isn't the real deal, if there's not more representing somebody who turns out to be a one record, one hit person those are some really awkward conversations in two years. And then you start to, the more of those you have on your record and resume of I worked with them, it, then then they weren't worth anything, then they were upset, they went somewhere else. But the more you do that, the more your name starts to have a, a connotation sure. to it. Yeah, sure. Even more than just being dick. Uh, <laughs> so I went back and tried to find as much music as I could. So first was I saw a video for a record that nobody remembers, but is one of my favorite Rocky records. And the record that made me start to like every record that Rocky and Ferg are on together yep. is insane. Hmm. Um, so the one of them in the street it, uh, and the house party, it was called uh, get high. Mm-hmm. And it's, that was a record that made me know Ferg is going to be a problem. Uh, but I heard that, and then I found there was a, a an unofficial mixtape that got put together called Deep Purple, and one of them had Rocky freestyling over Bittersweet Symphony, like it was. But I'm like, okay, I have to find this act, and I couldn't. I I had a contact that helped me. He's like the Facebook. We got them through Facebook. I sent a note to Facebook, no reply. I sent a note to. I forget who it was, but whoever directed either the Purple Swag or Peso video, no reply. Um, finally, and this is, uh, again, great human being, Gino Sims. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gino, Gino decided, I'm going to reach out to every agency so that Rocky meets with everybody. Like, not just we're going to this agency, we're going to that agency. I'm, I want him to meet several people. And so they did, and luckily for me, because Peter Schwartz is an OG, I told Peter, I'm like, I'm trying to find him. If for some reason you get an email on this, just let, and he sure did. He's like, Josh, get down here. And we took that meeting, and it just, it was Yams, Rocky, Gino. Chase was starting to work with him too, but Chase wasn't at that meeting. 
Um, they brought girls with them. It was a pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty surreal meeting. Do most people bring girls with them? No, that was the only one. And but it was just a really good meeting. What, what were your first impressions of Rocky like in person? The sweetest kid you'd ever meet. Just smiling, like I'll never forget. Once I'm working with him, and he came up to the office, and we're we're building out his first like, not even the 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 headline tour that you guys are talking about, but we did a small northeast run that played like thousand cap rooms. I think we played Irving Plaza here. We played a five hundred cap place in Buffalo, and he's like, "You guys really think I have fans?" And he just was so humble, so ready to because i mean here's the thing rocky rocky let us build him rocky could have this is the bubble was about to i mean not burst but the bubble was about to expand on all of a sudden acts are getting crazy fees for festivals we weren't at that point yet so when we said to rocky like this is the plan building you is a hard ticket act which means you're playing real venues, $20 tickets, you want people to come, you want to start to build. The more you sell those rooms out, the more you get to that next venue, the venue after that, it's it's all a growth process. And he bit into that big time. And not like, oh, we got him. He really wanted that type of career. And that's why Rocky was selling out Roseland without he fucking problems wasn't out when that came out he did that off of his mixtape yeah yeah i mean that's incredible and so he allowed for that and he he supported uh drake for a bunch of dates he supported rihanna he he always played that game and that's why i'm just rocky got it from jump and next thing you know i'm and and with that act i'm working with peter uh, because I wanted Peter involved, um, and so now you're you've got those acts, and then this is the the roster grows from that well, point. Sorry, just uh, yeah. just to stay on um, ASAP for a second. So Yams is in those rooms too. You're having a lot of conversations with Yams. Everybody, um, and we knew him like to some degree, but I, I feel like you had a much more personal relationship with him. So I do want to know one. What was your relationship like, which I already know the answer to, but also I do want to know, like, what are some surprising things that he brought to the table in terms of like a business relationship as well? So, you know, it's funny. I it's on my old phone. I've seen some of the I know there were the, the, the book of tweets and people will post their text screenshots. I I've never been able to wrap my head around that personally. I get why people do it, but I occasionally we'll go back and look and we've had some we had some amazing just mm. everything that you've seen i i had those versions of it especially he was the first person who uh, had taught me what a, a a meme was like <laughs> what does it mean to send a picture with no other context yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and you figure it out <laughs> he i mean first of all we're going to jump around for a sec but yams is the reason i work with flatbush zombies uh point blank when working with rocky the zombies would be around and I always, I think they're sick and tired of me telling the story, but I'd see them, two of the three would always be wearing a road Patrick Ewing jersey. Um, They were just always around. And again, I know it seems like, oh, of course you go from that thing to that, but I, I knew Thug Waffle. 
They hadn't yet put out drugs. I needed to hear more because I'm not just jumping on a train right after hearing Thug Waffle. I need to know more. And then drugs came out and I felt like it was very uneven. And so it, it didn't even register on my head. Like, the, the, By the way, there are some records I love that I begged them to play live. It just was... It didn't have me going, I have to work with these guys immediately. Yams called me and said, I really want you to meet with Phil at Madbury. Like, I think these guys, I think you're going to really vibe with him. I, I think you're going to like the guys. Just just take the meeting. So Yams, I did meet them. I, I love them. And, I'm, I'm, and the fact that they admitted, yeah, that was. We just took everything we had to try to rush it out. They were very cerebral. And so that's Yams is how I started working with the zombies. Um, Yams, for, uh, I'll never, for, I'm, I was living in a, a co-op in Bayside. This is my daughter's born. It's, it's the starter home. And it was just such tight quarters, such a small place that I'd have to go outside for my phone calls. And so I'd go on the stoop and Yams and I would talk for an hour and a half because I, it was the only place I could go at this point to talk about early 90s hip hop because Yams appreciated it. Yeah. Um, and he was, we did something on each of these. I don't know if anybody remembers him, but it started with Yams's idea. Um, we did these show flyers. Every time for a tour, we would do these crazy things where they would post pictures uh, that they've taken of each other clowning each other like it might be a picture of Ant it might be a picture of Rocky and and make a show flyer out of it and we he and I would be talking like yo we need the the turned and burnt tour like I we're about to come down the stretch run I want to make sure these shows all sell out what could we do and Yams and I would be on the phone and and we'd go over all this stuff trying to make sure that these these shows sold out uh he Every there's I, I I'm trying to think of I mean some of them I know and I I definitely wouldn't want to say publicly, um, <laughs> but he was super. Everything that's been said about him is a hundred percent accurate, and there's a reason why he's as beloved as as he is, and um, I'm I'm extremely grateful for for him and, um, yeah that. I, I, again, you, you'd never know when you're watching the Purple Swag video and you see him that this is going to be somebody that you're going to be talking to on a regular basis. Uh, and and he was he was just a delight. Talk about how Yams nicknamed you. <laughs> so, and that's that's where the intro comes from. Um, they refused to say Josh Dick. <laughs> All they have. Yes. <laughs> Every single person that has the moniker <laughs> refused to say that name. And so first, Rocky called me Josh, no last name. And <laughs> I found out recently, uh, recently being a year or two ago, that that's actually what I'm in his phone as, yeah. is Josh, no last name. And Yams came up with Josh Richards. <laughs> yeah. And so Creative, yeah. that's... Nobody else calls me that. I don't. I, only a few people like you guys know this, uh, but that is they, they refuse to say it. And that that was always comical to me is that all of these, all these artists had my email address on their Twitter feeds. And all, all said Josh Dick at theagencygroup.com. Josh, you're a very um, you're a humble guy. No, no, really, you are. You're you're, you're humble. 
but you've also achieved a lot and there's a reason for that but why do you think you're good at what you do and that could be working at the agency group or since sure then. I, I I think in anything you do uh, you can't ever view an artist as a commodity it's they're a human being I mean I'm not a saint I'm not doing charity work I get paid too it's 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 something that I've just tried to take the approach like anybody would of this is these are real human beings these are people I want to come to my parents house and and have have pasta and watch my children and uh, so you just want babysitter services want, these pretty people? much that's the that's the end game <laughs> my wife and I never get to see movies anymore and if Meech can watch them I'm, I'm, I'm in good space no but that's like for um, real though that that the Flatbush Zombies have babysat your kids. They have they have watched my kids. Uh, they, I mean, amazing, incredible things that that I can think of that they they just care. They're yeah. they're. But again, like I work with great human beings. Um, that's you can't if you can't do that, you can't look yourself in the mirror and justify what it is you're doing. I think that this because. Just to sort of fast forward to the end of my story or what I do now, I got very frustrated at the end of being an agent. I had my, I call it the Jerry Maguire moment when he writes that thesis, less is more. At this point, I had Zach, who if you go back to the beginning of the conversation, Zach had left the agency group because he had started booking an act named Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, who did not have an agent or a manager. So Zach was the agent and then was said, rather than recommend a manager to you, I what would you think about me managing you guys? So he moved to Seattle, he took that position and I started booking uh, Ben and Ryan. And that was, uh, again, something I did with Peter at that point and That was a big tidal wave. <laughs> yeah. was, well, but that's when all of a sudden you're off and then- What did it feel like to Macklemore? Oh God! Did you really just? First of all, I I I always feel like I've been mackling not enough, but I feel like you mackled like a ton, a lot. I I refuse to use it as a verb. Um, That's Josh, the English major, right there. Wait, so so you mackle less than? I. By the way. He hates us. <laughs> I know you told me this story. I've never asked him about it. I don't think he thinks about us at all today. Oh, no. Na- yeah, I guess I guess I shouldn't have put it in present tense. He hated There was us. a time where he did hate us. Yes. I, I have not. Un- <laughs> honest to God, as long as we've known each other and I've known him, I've never once asked him to say. Right. So I, I can't even have. How many of the Flatbush zombies hate us? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, what, what was it like in the middle of that of that whole run with Macklemore? I mean, it was, it was insane. I'm not saying it went from I, like zero to a hundred, but it it was a big jump. Well, the thing that people always tend to forget, first of all, Ben put out an album in 2001. Ben put out an album in 2005. So this was your prototypical backpack rapper trying, oh, sure. to, trying to get put on. Um, he met Ryan. They put out an EP and then just started to they, they went with a a plan of action musically that I gravitated towards. He put out songs and videos that uh, and again, he, he being it's weird because uh, 
I, right now he's he's doing his own thing, but it, it is he is at that point he and Ryan. Yeah, um, they put out videos that were these cinematic moments, and they were independent, and they did what they wanted when they wanted. They were self funded, and so Zach left when they were starting to sell out the Bowery ballrooms of the world across the country. And you just knew if we would have kept doing what we were doing with no thrift shop, that was going to continue. And it did for another tour. Then thrift shop happens. Then same love was somewhat simultaneous. Can't hold us was when this thing went into the next stratosphere. White walls. All of a sudden you're playing arenas. Correct. And it's funny. You don't you don't know when you're on that sort of ride. If it you don't think to yourself oh, this might not ever happen again uh, with with either him or another artist. You have no idea. It's such a uh, doggy, what's the expression? Doggy dog world yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, but being able to to see everything through to to the Grammys and the, the VMAs, all the things that I've seen. And, and as this kid from Queens who fantasized about being an MC one day, never thought, oh, my artists are ever going to be accepted like that. It was it was pretty incredible uh, to, to... Yeah, he to, speaks to your roots, too. Yeah. I mean, that's he's very backpacky, and he's doing it on a, a major level, yeah. yeah. What did it mean, like, you, you decided to upend your life here in New York, and you moved out there. Well, so that's... I'm an agent for... I work at this agency. It was the agency group. It's now UTA from from 2000 till uh, let's say 2013, 14. It was it was about 13, 14 years. Uh, the roster grows. All of a sudden, I've got a massive roster that I'm. If you would have told me five years ago, this is what you're doing, I would have never believed you. I, that that was my dream. And at the same time, you start to grow very tired of what it means to be an agent it's it's very redundant you're you're essentially routing tours booking shows and you're trying to do it within the scope of a cycle so that the artist continues to grow uh festivals became a major thing well how was that different from where you were beforehand oh no that's what i was doing it's just like that you were now doing it for a long time yeah, it's just I I'm, I was an assistant and then I became the guy doing it. And so as I'm booking, I, I've started to feel, oh God, I'm, I'm pitching Coachella and there are 15 acts on my roster that I think deserve a spot. So what happens to some of these acts? Because I'm pitching 15 at once, they start to cancel each other out. Or I'm like, Jesus Christ, I'm spending all this time trying to find the right events for South by Southwest or... Um, I've booked another tour that that needs to be postponed or canceled because an album got pushed back. There were so many different variables where it just started to to suck the life out of me. I couldn't even go to the zoo without anytime you have 20 to 25 artists that are and by the, again, still the same philosophy. I still view all of these as friends. So that means you can't go to the zoo with your daughter without getting a phone call. We've got a problem at this show. Sometimes it was a real problem. Sometimes it's a, all right, did we need to have this conversation? But it starts to wear you down. And, and then you try to take a deep breath. And I was going to keep doing that. But that's when Zach called and said, would you ever, I need, this has become too big. I need, I need a partner. Would you ever consider moving out here and, and managing with me? 
And so there's so many levels to it. I have to walk away from friends and clients who I care dearly about. And I'm going from 20 acts to one. And Not to mention you are <laughs> leaving your folks. You've been an East Coast guy this entire time. You yeah. have... Uh, you have to convince your wife. Yeah. Well, she's... <laughs> I, I don't know that she'd make it through all of this other talk to get to the end of this, <laughs> so I can probably say this freely. Yes. She was very supportive of the move to go there. Within a week, I'm coming home to a dark, no lights on, depression, just she thought she could do it. She couldn't. Um, I get it. It's not, it's a a, lot. It's not for everybody. It's a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I upended everything and said, I am going to believe. I've always dreamed of being closer to the action. I don't ever want to look up in two years and say I regret that I didn't try something different. And so that's that's what led me to leave being a booking agent and move into management. And one of the things that I knew I had in my favor was Flatbush, uh, including Phil, who was the, the, the manager at that point, uh, had been telling me for years, we really want you to manage the guys. Uh, and as an agent, it's not something I'm thinking about. So I knew that the day might come that, that so I, I booked them for about, I, I continued to book them for a year or so. Uh, and then th there was another manager involved as well. Uh, they parted ways and then we made it official, like we started working together. So then it became, I'm doing Ben and Ryan, I'm doing Flatbush, and then 12E obviously knew from the old days, then start managing 12E, and now uh, Hector Delgado, producer for, for ASAP and others, and that's that's the roster right now, and that's that's kind of, I'm 40, and <laughs> this is this is who I work with, and it's been a really interesting road to get here because there are just so many different paths. Uh, and it's funny, I mean, I've never, this. If by saying this, it probably takes away any reference to being humble because it's like, well, would a humble guy really say this? But I'm. I, there's the guy behind the guy. I don't even know what I would classify myself as because I've never been asked to do an interview. I don't think people know who the hell I am. <laughs> and honestly, like it's that's always been cool with me because out of sight, out of mind. If people do know who I am, it's probably because there's an issue. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah there, there's a problem. Uh, but I've it's been this dream when I look up and I think of all the people I met. I mean, even going back to Macklemore, being able to work on downtown and work with Melly Mel, Grandmaster Kaz, and Kumo D. Yeah, you've been like dying. It was insane. And then they, they become friends. Like, Mo D will call me, and then I'm like, oh shit, that's right, the Giants just lost to the Cowboys. <laughs> like, he's a huge Cowboys fan, and he'll just call to talk shit about that. They are, I mean, not only were they people that I grew up, like, either idolizing or, or, or knowing this, this is why I'm here, but even though I mean, Kaz is Kane's favorite rapper of all time, do you know how insanely, uh, how incredible you have to be to be somebody that Kane refers to as my favorite rapper? Yeah. And just, I, I have so many of those types of moments and stories where I, I, I just pinch myself and say, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I had this opportunity. 
I hope that I can sustain my, my goal now at this point I want my artists to be able to say that they're career artists if they want to be. I, I want, I think we've reached that point, especially when you think of, I mean, obviously Jay is Jay, but there you're able to wrap now into your 40s and 50s, especially if you're able to present yourself in such a way that uh, it doesn't feel like you're trying too hard. I mean, you just have to age gracefully with your music. So you're uh, saying you still got a shot. I said, well, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, it would be the, the thing Ryan Lewis for Secret Santa had me three or four years ago and his gift to me was a beat. Wow. And I don't know if it's because I caught Rocky off guard, but Rocky promised to give me a feature. So if the beat finally comes to me and I can remind Rocky. He never delivered the beat? No. In, uh, uh, Eric, Santa was secret. <laughs> <laughs> he was busy working on albums. Yeah, whatever. I felt, I felt yeah. weird saying, hold on. Yeah. I know, you're, I know you're working on album number yeah. two, but yeah. Christmas, remember me? He really wanted to do a full album with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Get I, the I, stew. I think I'm done, but I want my artists to be able to make music like i i want to continue this ride until either they don't want me on it anymore or they don't want to do it anymore uh and i'm hoping that coincides with my children my daughter's eight my son is three my daughter has no idea that dad is partially cool she doesn't <laughs> get it she doesn't understand it well, after I, she listens to this podcast oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, i just I just want that day to come where she just says, wow, I'm going to Gov Ball with yeah. my friends and my dad hooked it up. And oh, by the way, I'm on side stage because the zombies are headlining That's it. Really this, awesome. is, this is pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, well, Josh, you're one of our, our favorite people. Um, you're one of our most trusted people. That's true. What's up? I'm just looking at how much I talked for. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. Now we're going to edit you all yeah, down. Yeah. It's just going to be all jokes on our end. No, but like, really, from the, from, the, from the time that we met you outside of the ASAP uh, listening party, right? Because uh, Jeff and I were on the list, but we could not get in. And, no, but, and it was raining outside, and we had the most wonderful conversation with you outside. Until today, it's really a joy anytime that we link up. You surprised us, you and Emeka, when we were on Cypher Sound's um, live show down at UCB. You guys surprised us by showing up, which was amazing. Even though we saw that there were there was a piece of tape saying, like, reserved for Josh Dick. And we were like, <laughs> oh, Josh is coming here. Like, really? They fucked that up? But, but I do want to say this. You could have been any of these things. You could have been Mr. Dick working at, you know, the, the elementary school. You could have been Agent Dick for the rest of your life. Or really, you could have been Big Daddy Dick. And look at you now. <laughs> sitting up here with us i got the invite i appreciate you guys i appreciate you guys for having me um i feel like we've both been able to watch each other grow it's <laughs> a dick I'm, joke i get it i, I was <laughs> i said that out of my goodness of my own heart but i didn't want to continue because i was looking at you too but i'm i'm dead serious i mean we we all kind of came up at a similar time and and it's 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 great to see what, what this is, has turned into and I'm, I'm glad that after all these years of, of me hinting will, will I ever get the invite up that I have <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together, we are It's The Real, no apostrophe, no spaces. If people want to find out more about this podcast, it's 230 episodes of amazing content called A Waste of Time with It's The Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about what we have going on in this world of ours, where can they go? Read a book. <laughs> You can always go to itsthereal.com, I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L.com, no apostrophes, no spaces, it's the real, all one word. You can also find us on itsthereal.com slash shop, go get all of your Christmas presents today, or maybe you don't celebrate Christmas, just get some presents. Get some presents at itsthereal.com slash shop. If you're looking for our podcast, all old episodes and new ones are on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time or soundcloud.com slash two Jews, two black dudes itunes search for it's the real spotify search for it's the real title i think it's probably there no it's not i don't think but you can still find our music on there search for teddy bear fresh on title search for teddy bear fresh on spotify search for teddy bear fresh on wherever you can also find us on twitter at it's the real facebook at it's the real instagram at it's the real jeff this is a new thing of ours, and I think that we both take into it so well because you guys have taken to it so well. We go on Twitter and we ask if you want to be shouted out, and you guys have responded and responded in a huge way. So right now, we're gonna go online and bring these shouts to life. Woo! I wanna start off with this is chino yo shout out to chino who actually is a real life friend of ours somebody who has made it to a bunch of our shows and salute to him for that north carolina's own shout out to steven from nj another guy we've met in real life shout out to steven shout out to we remain out in rotterdam the netherlands we have to make it out there soon shout out to our guys over at pata Shout out to Robin Dave Glenn, a.k.a. Southwest United and Delta Airlines, a.k.a. Soso Fly. Yo, shout out to the Glenn Brothers, great supporters of It's The Real. They tell us, they tell our brother Dan, and they buy merch. They're dope dudes in real life and online. Thank you, guys. Shout out to Blake Hefner, a.k.a. Stroke Hogan. Shout out to OGB from New Orleans. And Logan, his daughter. Yes. Shout out to Hella underscore bitches. It's a great name. It gets to the point. Hello, bitches. It does. Shout out to Superfly MK from South London. Shout out to Bruce Daddy underscore who says, hey, for real, for real. Shout out to Mike Anthony and the Cypher Click. Shout out to Get Live RO. Shout out to Tweets by Max P. Bruce Chillis. It's a great name. He only wanted one shout out. Just one. So that's it. Yeah, don't, don't want to be. It's over. Don't want to be. It's over. Shout out to Jenna Luckman. Shout out to our friend Jenna, who's been on the podcast, a real-life friend of ours who we saw maybe a month ago down in Miami. Oh, yeah, that might have been Theo. Oh, should we shout out Theo Meyer as well? Yes, let's absolutely shout out Theo Meyer, <laughs> who is the the catfish version of Jenna Luckman. Yeah, I understand she's heavy on Facebook. Uh, well, she's not heavy. No, no, well, you know, yeah. active. She's active. Yeah. Shout out to Chef Wex, who has been on... Every single time we put out this call, Chef yeah. Wex has responded and responded in full force. Shout out to underscore J Della, who when we said, do you want to be shouted out, said, sure, why not? I like that. Yeah, just real non-committal. Yeah. Shout out to Prince Hakeem. Yeah. Who says to shout out his son Tariq, a.k.a. Black Thought Jr., a.k.a. Baby Eric the Curl God the Second. Eric, do you have a kid? No, but I'm willing to be the big brother. All right. Yeah. Shout out to Dukes413 from Massachusetts. Shout out to middle name TJ who asks, are you for real, for real? No, the answer is nah. For real, for real. Shout out to I am a Nerga 
who says shout out my at we already did shout out to i am anerga from london and shout out to timeout productions timeout beats out there in melbourne australia jeff i love how international we've become shout out to all of you out there make sure you go to itthereal.com slash shop get that last signed rhyme book before they're all gone you want to go to Amazon or to BarnesandNoble.com, get a regular one. Why not? Jeff, oh, no. wait, wait, But I've just remembered. Yes. Most important than any of these people, who yes. all they asked for was a shout-out. Yes. I want to shout-out somebody who didn't ask for a shout-out. Who's that? Somebody who sent us a gift in the mail. Are you talking about Reggie Bullock Jr.? I sure am. Reggie Bullock Jr., who we met down in Atlanta, yeah. and who DM'd us, and he said, hey, like, you know, you guys mean so much to me, and I just want to pay that back in some small way. And so he sent us a, I don't want to say what the gift was, but it mattered to us. And, you know, I really just appreciate people who appreciate us. And yeah. so shout out to Reggie Bullock Jr. and his wife. It really is a season of giving right now. And um, we don't expect, honestly, anything. And when someone steps up to the plate like that and rewards us for, uh, you know, what's meaningful to him, that's really special. So thank you sincerely. Shout out to you, Reggie. And as always, Jeff, not for real, for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Right.